Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Today we are in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 13. And he said, he is the king of Syria. We got problems in Syria. We got problems in Syria in the Bible times. We got problems in Syria now. All right. And back in Bible times, Syria was a constant thorn in the side of Israel. And the king is trying to wage war against Israel. But every time he does, Eli, uh, excuse me, Elisha, who is the best intel man ever, Okay, you know, you want good intel when you go into an op, this is the guy to have, right? Because here's the king of Syria, always trying to attack, always trying to ambush, but God reveals to Elisha what the king of Syria is about to do, and of course, he tells the king of Israel, and nothing ever comes of it, and it comes to the point where the king of Syria is like, who, which of you is working for Israel, which of you, it's like Mossad right there. Which one of you is working for Mossad? Which one of you is the spy for Israel? And of course they say nobody, but there's a man of God in Israel who knows all, all of our plans. And the king says, okay, who is this guy? We're going to hunt him down and we're going to capture him or kill him. All right. The Bible specifically says capture. We're going to take him captive because he's annoyed can you imagine your best laid plans all the time being thwarted because God is speaking to somebody on the other side? You can't win. You cannot win, and he knows this. Now, let's take special note here that it's not the nobodies who are targeted by the enemy. It's not the people who are doing nothing. It's not the people who are sitting on the sidelines who are targeted by the enemy. It's the person who's a difference maker. And here, Elisha is a difference maker. The king knows he can't win without capturing Elisha. He knows he can't win because this is just going to continue. He's going to lay plans. They're going to be thwarted. Church, I want you to know that our enemy, our enemy, Satan, is not targeting people who are sitting on the sidelines. He's not targeting people who aren't doing anything. He wants pew sitters. That's what he wants. He wants people who sit in the church and they listen and they don't do anything for the kingdom of God. They're not trying to live a sanctified life. They're not trying to... to, to follow Jesus. He wants, he wants that. He wants complacency in the pew. That's what he wants. And he's never, he's not going to target you. Yeah, things are going fine. Because when you start doing things for God, when you start stepping out of your comfort zone, you start living sacrificially. And I'm not just talking financially, but with your time, with the way you do everything. When you start becoming keenly aware that God is in every aspect of your life and you start living every moment of your life for him, that's when the enemy is going to start attacking. That's when the enemy is going to come after you. Why? Because you're a difference maker. He can't win and he knows it, but he's going to attack and he's going to pester and he's going to annoy you just like the king was annoyed. So here we are, verse 13. Go and see where he is, talking about Elisha. Go find Elisha that I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. I love the name of Dothan, right? This city. It's like, it's like a city out of Star Wars, really, right? 
Where's Luke Skywalker? He's in Dothan, right? I mean, totally. Dagobah, Dothan, whatever. It's the same. Verse 14. So he sent there horses and chariots and great, a great army, and he came by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God came early in the morning and went out, excuse me, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city, and the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse 16, Elisha's reply. He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to the prayer of Elisha. Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha was not only a great intel man, but he was a great threat assessment guy. He, uh, there's going to be, just let me just give you this warning, okay? There's going to be a ton of military jargon today, at least as much as a four-year Air Force veteran can, can get out, okay? Uh, I don't know that much. I don't know that much about tactics and small units stuff. I don't know any of that, but I know to have victory, you need good intel, I know you have to have good intel and you have to have good threat assessment. And what I know a lot about what, not a ton, but a little bit about what our, our people in the military around here do. And it's basically planning for Putin to invade Europe. Okay, I get it, right? And so like there's, there's this scenario and that scenario and this and this. And so they're assessing these threats. What's really the big threat? What's really happening now? And Elijah is really good at assessing the threat. And even though he's surrounded by horses and chariots and it looks like there's no way out, he, with a calm voice, correctly assesses the situation and he says to his servant, don't be afraid because there are more with us than are with them. And he prays that his eyes might be opened. See, church, the battle, the real battle, and I would say even the battles that we fight on battlefields are not against human or physical forces, but the battle is really spiritual. It's spiritual, and Elisha understood this, and because he understood this, he was able to correctly assess the threat that was all around him. Now, we have an enemy, too, who sometimes seems to completely surround us, and there seems no way out, and our eyes are like the eyes of the servant, not like the eyes of Elisha. Our eyes only see the threat. We don't see the army that fights for us, and I want to tell you that that is also a strategic part of the enemy's plan, that we would focus on the size of the attacking army and not on the size of God's promises. Our enemy, Satan, wants us to focus so, so much on the problem that we forget all about what God has promised in the midst of our problems. I thought that was good. Okay. <laughs> And it's just a smokescreen. And actually, it kind of makes me think back in World War II, and I mean even, I guess this is stuff even employed today when, you know, you had the inflatable tanks and you had, you know, the, the, the appearance of this great force so that overhead shots would make it look like, okay, there's a dominating force coming in, and all they are is just air-filled tanks and 
troop transports and whatever. It was just a big ruse. When our enemy comes against us, it's kind of like that. It looks big. It looks imposing. You know, people are talking about what a big deal it is. But in essence, under, looking at it in reality, it's nothing. It's nothing. Because the power of God works not only in us, but through us. Amen? Amen. And God, God wants us to remember what he's promised, not the size of the opposing force. And we must ask God to open the eyes of our hearts, like that of the servant. When we come against situations, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you are just this totally chill, mellow, awesome Christian guy, woman, who when big, big situations, I'm not talking about, hey, I can't get a parking spot at Target. I'm talking about when big problems come, that you're calm and you're collected and your eyes are totally open spiritually to it. But it's more likely that you're like the rest of us. Big problems come, and instantly our heart is like fight or flight. We want to, we kind of panic. We, we start thinking about what can be done. Yeah, we might go off to the side and pray, but then we go right back to just doing what can be done. But that God would just open our hearts to see the real situation. Because I think a lot of Christians get flustered because they incorrectly assess the threat. We get flustered and we get frustrated, and everything's a big deal because we incorrectly assess the threat. We give Satan, we give our real enemy too much credit. We give him too much cred and we say, okay, you know, you know, the devil's at work here and yeah, maybe I'm not a devil's under every rock guy. You know, we have our own problems. We're warring against our own flesh. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the devil's involved in everything that some people think he is. And I, I think he's involved for sure. I think there are suggestions, but I'm not, hey, he's under every rock. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's just me, right? And he can't read your thoughts. The devil is not like God. He is created by God. He's not like God, and he has very severe limitations, you know? Now, he can engineer circumstances. Where do I think the devil does a a big chunk of his work? In pop culture. That's what I think. What influences us? You know, pop culture has a ridiculous amount of influence. Exhibit A, the Kardashians. What? What? Why are these people, these horrible people on TV? Why are they on TV? Why? It's, it's like, are we a better, we are definitely not better people because the Kardashians are on TV, okay? We are not better people. And this pop culture, we think it doesn't have an effect. It's entertainment. We're just watching it. Yeah, that's what the enemy wants you to think. But if you watch enough of anything, if you're ingesting all this filth all the time, it's having an influence on you, right? It's affecting who you are. Parents of teenagers, please listen, really, just please listen to this. Because it's not all harmless, and you have kids who don't yet know how to discern truth from lie. And, it, you know, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Our culture is constantly piping anti-Christian, and it's not even, it's not even covert anymore. It's absolutely 100% anti-Christian message being shoved down the throats of our kids from schools to pop culture, it's just being reinforced everywhere. And our enemy can work through that. He can't read your mind, but he definitely can work through popular culture. And he can work through 
things around us. A great book, though a work of fiction, to help you maybe even understand and expand your imagination a little bit about how the enemy might work is a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Again, it's not a work of theology. It is a fictional work, but there are some biblical principles that the book is founded on. You can read. It's a very good read. It's about that thick, and you can see how the enemy works in the lives of, uh, in our lives and how he's working around us. Now, I know when we start talking about Satan, we start talking about the unseen world, some of you may never come back, okay? Because, you know, we like church. We like hearing about Jesus. We like hearing about our salvation. We like hearing about redemption. But when we start talking about spiritual things, the unseen world, we start talking about the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's real, right? And the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being real. And the Bible, and, 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 and uh, Satan and demons are real, because right? the Bible clearly identifies this as a real phenomena, right? As re- these are real creation, created beings with personalities and personhood, right? Then we know that this is, this is where we need to be sometimes, right? We've got to be talking about the unseen world. And just because you don't see the battle doesn't mean the battle's not happening. There's a battle not only for your soul, but for your kids' souls, there's not only a battle for, for uh, the unchurched people of the world, right? But there's a battle going on in each one of our hearts. Every, every one of us needs to fight back because Satan does have some power here. What does he do? How does he work it? Well, my, sec- my first point was we need to be ready to assess the threat. My second point is we need to establish our defense now, I'm sure Kelly could get up here and give you a great tutorial about how to organize a, a football defense. And, and w- like every football movie you see, every baseball movie you see, any sports movie you see, what are they doing? They're watching tape, right? They're watching tape to see what the offense is going to do. And then they're going to design their defense on that, right? This is the place they really like to run. This is their go-to, right? They like to run a, an outside screen when they're on third and four. And so we're going to play defense. We're going to get ready for that screen on third and four, okay? And so they organize their defense around it. Now, church, I want to tell you that we need to organize our defense, right? But in order to adequately organize our defense against our enemy, we need to understand how he operates, right? What is his offensive strategy? Number one, I think, one of, number one, Satan's tactic is to cause division. He wants to divide and conquer. That starts, it, I think it starts in the church. The more people, the easier it is for Satan to get a wedge in there, right? It starts in the church. It starts in Christian community, but it also starts in the home. Divisions in the home, that's something Satan wants. Undermining God's promises is another tool of our enemy, Right? Remember the, in the garden, he didn't, like, he kind of just twisted scripture a little bit, didn't he? He kind of took what God said and just twisted it enough to where it meant something completely different. But there was enough biblical truth, there was enough truth in there, enough of the character of God really in there so that they would be fooled by it. That is a master, that is, that is a, uh, our, our enemy is a master at that, just twisting it. This is why it's really, we really need to be very discerning about the books we read that are giving us biblical instruction. 
Right? We don't have to be careful about the Bible. The Bible's 100% true. That's okay. But when you go to the Christian bookshelves and you're pulling books off the shelf, you should be discerning about the, who you are reading. Right? And you need to make sure you're staying in the Word so that you can differentiate the truth from the lie, even in some so-called Christian books. Okay? This is important because the enemy likes to twist things just a little bitty bit. Discouragement. He loves to see us discouraged. And temptation. Again, I believe a lot of temptation comes from pop culture. Unforgiveness for others. Fear, accusations, spiritual laziness. These are all tools of our enemy, and we need to have defenses for these things. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Heavenly places meaning the spiritual realm. We have an enemy who we are fighting against, and he's got us surrounded. It's all around us. It's not maybe around us right now because we're in our fort right now, right? We're in our fort. We're safe. We feel, I hope you feel safe here. I hope you feel like, man, we're all on the same team here. This is our fort. This is where we come and we regroup and we get ready to go attack, right, and defend out there. When we recognize who our enemy is and how he operates, then we are ready to defend ourselves. And the best defense against our enemy is always to abide in Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. To abide in Christ. This word abide is very, very important in our walk with Jesus. To abide means to have our being in Him. Right? To abide, just think about it, like your abode, right? Your home, you're inside, you're safe. The doors are locked. We need to abide in Christ. He needs to be our number one confidant. He needs to be our, our number one consultant, right? He needs, he, and he, he, is, he needs to be our number one uh, accountability partner, right? And we need to abide in him. This relationship with Christ, it doesn't just come through osmosis. It comes through the concerted effort of the follower, of the believer, to get into relationship with Jesus, and I don't know about you, but if I miss a day of prayer or Bible study and it happens, like, I, I really miss it, miss it, you know? Like, I feel incomplete that day. Does that make sense? I feel like, you know, I, it's, it's not about keeping the law. It's not about just doing the, ch- the check boxes. It's about that relationship is so vital to who I am and my other relationships that I don't want to miss it. That's abiding. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians, which is really a, Ephesians 6 is really in very, a lot of ways a parallel to what we're studying today. And I've got a few verses here, 13 through 18 of chapter 6 in Ephesians. It'll be up on the screen. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can distinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, 
And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know, prayer there mentioned three, four times. Supplication, prayer, pray. Abide in Christ, be filled with the Spirit. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Church, I want to tell you that though we can do a lot for the kingdom of God with our hands and our feet, we can do none of it without first being on our knees. Prayer is essential to waging war against our enemy. It is essential to gaining ground. We are not immune from attack as Christians, but we have a king who fights with us, King Jesus. Our king is not back in the jock. He's not back at Command Central. He is out front. He is out front. And actually, in the end, when Jesus comes back, and he, he comes back to judge, and he comes back in the Battle of Armageddon, he, he, we, the Bible says that we, the church, are in the train, that we are behind him, that he's on a white horse with a sword, and he is just going to lay waste to the enemies. And we're just going to follow. And like, he's going to share all that with us. But it's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, like LeBron James and then we're the other four guys on the court. You know what I mean? He's going to do it all and we just get the ring. And, and that's the way it's going to be. We're going to just, <laughs> it, that's awesome. That this king, this all-powerful king, our Lord, our king, is who we follow, and we get afraid when these circumstances arise. Like our enemy can do anything against the one who created him as well as us. See, the, there, are, there are some quote-unquote Christian, they label themselves Christian churches that would say Jesus and Satan are brothers. They would say that the, they were, they're, they're they share similar attributes. They're just brothers who just can't seem to get along. That's not true at all. Satan created. Demons created. All right? They are subject 100% to King Jesus. Now, we've talked about assessing our threat. We've talked about establishing our defenses. Now for the quintessential, the biggest military reference in the sermon call the quick reaction force. Call the QRF. And that's exactly what Elisha does. See, we need to understand that, that when we are in full-blown battle against our enemy, Satan, that we are in over our heads. We're in over our heads, right? We need to call in the QRF. And the QRF, in military jargon, is an armed military unit capable, I have to read it because, you know, I was in the Air Force, uh, is an armed military unit capable of rapidly responding to developing situations typically to assist allied units in the need of assistance. And they are subject to the commander, okay? And he decides when they're going in. As Christians... Listen now carefully. We have access to the most spiritually lethal force in the universe, mobilized by the greatest commander the universe has ever known, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. And let's up the amens a little bit. We have access to the most lethal, the spiritually lethal force in the universe, by, led by the greatest 
commander in the universe, Jesus. Now, this is easy to preach, really easy to preach, and it's easy to hear. But the thing is, it's when we're surrounded that we really have to remember this. It's when we feel surrounded and there's no way out and that we're about to be run through by our enemy that we have to remember that, that we can call on God. And in a flash, in a moment, we will be surrounded by an army greater than anything we're facing. Amen? And I would say that the key role for the Christian is to observe, report, and await further orders. Observe, report, await further orders. Our, our goal is not just to observe and report. That's not it. That's not all we do. But we wait for our commander to lead us in how we are to react to the situation we're facing. But observing and reporting are also very, very important. What do I, say, what do I mean when I say observe, report? When we see a situation, whether it be in a growth group or it be in church or it be at work, and we see somebody who's struggling, the, your goal in this is not to tell everybody else you know but God has brought this to your awareness in this moment, whether it be at work or in church or in growth group, that you would report. That means pray, right? We are not there to be gossips. We're not there to find out dirt on people and share it with everybody because we're special or something. We're there to pray for people. And when you see a weakness in a brother or sister, especially, God has brought that to you, even if it's through a gossip, somebody who is guilty of gossiping, that you would pray, and stop the gossip, okay? Because it should stop with you. Maybe it didn't start with you, but it ought to stop with you. And, it, and then that's a matter of prayer. That's a matter of prayer. When you observe somebody walking astray, before you go confront your brother or sister, you should be praying for your brother or sister. You should be praying for them. And allow the Spirit of God, who is living and active today, I want you to know that, allow the Spirit of God to lead you, to guide you, and even speak to you in regards to how to handle that situation. Observe, report, await further orders. That's what we should be doing as Christians. That's exactly what Elisha did. He observed, he reported, he prayed. God answered and surrounded this army and struck them all, answered his second prayer with, and struck the entire army blind. Now what happens after this? What, what happens? They stab them all. No, that's not what happens at all. It's even more interesting than that. Elisha leads them into the camp, into the center of the Israel, the Israel forces. And then the king of Israel is like, now do we get to run them through? And he says, no. He says, no, give them bread, give them water, feed them, send them on their way. And that's exactly what he, what he does. That's exactly what happens. And Syria, the Bible says, uh, where does it say that? At the very, uh, verse 23, and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. They spared them. And through everything, the idea, even today, church, when bad times come, when situations we, we face, right, we suffer the consequences for our bad behavior, we suffer consequences because we've given in to our enemy, God's purpose is always reconciliation. I want you to know that. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. Right? He wants to bestow mercy on people who have made him their enemy. Aren't you glad? Because that was me, right? Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe you've just always been good with God. 
But at one point, you were God's enemy. You were his enemy. And everything you were doing was counter God. You might not have thought that way, but that's the way it was. But then one day, somehow, somebody told you about Jesus, you responded in faith, and you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and now you've been saved. I think that's pretty awesome. That this is how, this is our loving God who spares us, even though we we were his enemies. He spares us. I think that's pretty awesome. Because I want to tell you, not only did I, not only was I not a Christian, I mean, I, I, I echo what Paul said, who says, not only was I a sinner, I'm paraphrasing a little bit in Acts, he says, but of, of whom I was the chief of sinners. You know, I just felt that way, but God still saved me. I think I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he loved me enough to sacrifice himself on the cross and save me from myself, really. Just my sin, my unrighteousness. I deserve death, but he gave me life. He said, drink, drink. Be well. Church, I want to say I think many Christians are spiritually blind to the fact that our enemy Satan Satan is hunting us as a prey. The Bible says he moves to and fro the to and to and front let's say in English, he walks the earth looking for whom he may desire devour. He is always on the hunt. I think we also fail to recognize that Jesus, our master and commander, stands at the ready to answer the prayers of his people who find themselves surrounded by a hostile force. Why is, why is it we do everything then pray? Shouldn't we pray first? Shouldn't we wait on God? The struggle is real. I'm not... I'm not I'm not taking that away from you. I'm not taking it away that the struggle is not real. Some of you have kids who aren't serving the Lord. Some of you have real trouble in your marriages. Somebody, some of you are having real trouble at work. You're having real trouble in extended family. You can't seem to find joy in anything you do. Maybe coming to church was a part, a, a part and parcel of trying to fix that. The struggle is real. But I want to tell you that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is is the Lord's. And those of you who feel surrounded today, those of you who feel like, man, you are really in the fight for your life. Like you are in a real fight. You feel surrounded. You feel like, like, like there's no way out. I want to encourage you to call on God. And say, God, I need that quick reaction force. God, I, I need you to respond because I can't figure my, I can't, I, can't, I can't work my way out of this. I can't think my way out of this. And Lord, right now it feels like I can't pray my way out of it. I need you to respond. I need you to intervene. Now, there are people who at this time would maybe pray and say, they'll start talking to Satan Satan, I command you to get out of this situation. Look at, why talk to the person who has no power when you can talk to the one who has all the power? You could spend all your time talking to Satan. Why? Talk to God, to whom Satan submits, and say, God, I, I ask 
that you would crush our enemy right now, that you would just crush our enemy and that this situation be resolved. Stop talking to Satan. Start talking to God. Start calling on the name that is above all names. And I want to tell you, that ain't Satan. That's Jesus. That is Jesus, the one who has won the victory. Past tense, the victory is won. Somebody say amen. We're not waiting for it to be won. There are times coming where other victories will be won. But the victory, the big one, is already won. He won the war. There may be some battles to be fought. But the war is won. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.